I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. Welcome to Rich Text, a podcast about our cultural obsessions, like the return of Aidan Shaw and, much more importantly, Samantha Jones. If you're listening today, you're already a paid subscriber to our audio and written newsletter, Rich Text. Thank you, as always, for being here. You quite literally make our work possible. Today, we're diving into the final stretch of And Just Like That season two, and I just, I couldn't stay away, honestly. I was like, we're going to pick God. a nap time. I'm going to see this through. I mean, you're a hero. <laughs> I don't think that's overstating it. I like, agree, I, honestly. Yeah, I mean, credit where credit's due. I needed you to help me <laughs> break down the rest of this absolutely zany season. And I think I texted you when I was watching episode eight or nine, and I was like, Claire, do I have Stockholm Syndrome, <laughs> or did this show turn a corner maybe both is the answer (laughs) I think it's definitely both I think that especially the middle of the season they got back into what makes sex in the city great we had some great meet cute romantic arcs with wacky characters who seem perfect at first but then they turn out to have some embarrassing secret that makes them not a viable romantic partner just like classic sex in the city stuff we get like a breath of fresh air in the room and then toward the end of the season i was like it's tapering off it's getting back into these kind of bogged down heavy long-term emotional arcs that i think the show really struggles to handle in an entertaining way but My goodwill had been won over so easily. (laughs) We want this show to be good enough to be watchable. We love these characters. Sex and the City was a formative cultural text for so many women our age, millennials. And so I'm really willing to give this one to them. Please just do the bare minimum (laughs) so that I can enjoy this show. Yeah. And I'll be happy. I kind of go back and forth between like the point of Sex and the City was to show single women dating and now that they're in a different stage of life it's kind of impossible to turn it into a show that's as watchable as sex in the city was and being just like oh we've come to love these characters if they can do a a smart witty job with exploring this new stage of their life then that will be a net positive but so far it's it's not quite coming up to the mark but well I don't think we needed this show but if they were going to make it I want to enjoy it right no yes that's that's perhaps the best way of putting it Uh, so episode seven is kind of our big transitional episode I feel like I am starting to recognize some of our main characters in a way that I really didn't for the first season and two-thirds Miranda is finally going back to work and caring about her son's education. Mm. Charlotte is going back to the gallery. Carrie is reconnecting with Aiden, which (laughs) is sort of like her job. Is kind of her job, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Bouncing between her two great loves is a pretty central tenet of her character. (laughs) So in episode seven, Carrie reconnects with Aiden and he shows up to their Valentine's Day date wearing a very aggressive military style jacket this is the jacket that like lit up the internet it really just like took over the screen it was the only thing you could look at there's this moment where the camera turns to him and it should be this emotionally resonant moment of Carrie just like you laying eyes on Aiden again for the first time in a decade and instead your first reaction is just like what the fuck is that coat (laughs) What is it? Why is it buttoned up all the way to his throat? If they had just unbuttoned it, 
it would have read a lot more like Aiden. This is a man who we learn is living on a farm in Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah. Like, why is he wearing this aggressively tailored, extremely high-necked, extremely buttoned-up coat? I see him in, like, like a a weathered wool coat or a tweed, you know, something sort of simultaneously a bit artistic and designy, but also rugged and, you know, of the country. A warm leather jacket would also work. Like a nice warm, like light brown. Yeah, with a, a nice patina. Yeah. From years of wear. Exactly. I'm not sure about this one. Apparently, it's something that John Corbett has actually worn on the red carpet in the past. It's a Bellstaff Trailmaster jacket. And so it's weird that John Corbett looks so uncomfortable in it. <laughs> he looks like he's kind of in a straight jacket. Yeah. It looks like it's sort of like holding him out in a weird way, like it's pulling his shoulders back for him. The big part of Aiden's arc becomes that he won't go in Carrie's apartment, the scene of his betrayal and heartbreak. And so is this coat that's like all buttoned up to the neck supposed to in some way symbolize that his walls are up? Ooh, you know what? That is exactly the kind of thing that the costume team would do. Aiden is literally and figuratively buttoned up he's physically there for <laughs> carrie but emotionally he is closed off just like his jacket if that it covers is his it. heart <laughs> his face is there but his heart is not i mean if that is it it seems like a huge misfire because if you're going to do this kind of character work through a garment it should not obscure what you're doing by being so distractingly weird looking so i guess my second question is do you think that they did it on purpose as like a, a Pat Field moment? Like, look at this wild outfit choice. Or do you think that they thought it was a sort of classic look that would go unnoticed? I sort of think the latter. Yeah. I mean, if it was the former, it was also a misfire because he can't pull off a wacky look the way that Sarah Jessica Parker can. But I I do think you're right. I think it was supposed to be subtle and understated. I far prefer where they go with his style in the next few episodes. We get that great callback to him walking around the apartment in his tidy whiteies. That feels classic Aiden. This just felt so, so divorced from everything we understand about his character and his style and his vibe. Later, it becomes a running joke with Carrie that his nickname is Country Lurch. And that is just not a jacket that a country lurch would wear. That's a city lurch jacket. (laughs) Exactly. So Aiden, yes, he lives on a farm in Norfolk, Virginia. He's divorced now from his wife, who is a textile designer, something more related to his work. He was a furniture designer, of course. And he has three sons. The youngest is 14. That will come back and be relevant, as you can imagine. Certainly will. Certainly will. (laughs) Miranda and Charlotte also undergo... Big, big moments in this episode. Miranda starts dating post Che. Thank God. And she has this classic Sex in the City style meet cute with Younger's Miriam Shore. Incredible casting mm. that in classic Sex in the City fashion ends with like a big old moment of ick. That's so true. Every Sex in the City episode has to end with at least one of our gals getting the ick. <laughs> it's just a series about getting the ick. Or it's I guess sometimes true. their partner gets the ick from them as in a role reversal. Like when Carrie is found rooting through her new uh, yes. boyfriend stuff. That is exactly the one I was <laughs> yeah, thinking of. It, the, the show is like, the problem is men, 
but sometimes the problem is you. We can all appreciate that. The ick is universal. (laughs) Everything about this arc I loved. I loved that Miriam Shore is playing basically an audiobook narrator who Miranda has heard because she does Jane Austen audiobooks that Miranda loves. And so her voice is familiar. And she has this sort of power lesbian presentation. She's very commanding and seductive and wearing a good coat. Amazing coat. And it's a great Miriam Shore character. And then Miranda shows up. Also they meet at books that are magic. Yes. Which is so real. Miranda absolutely would wander into books are magic. Absolutely. And be taken by a beautiful audiobook narrator's event. Yeah. This I was like I buy it. And I think that this character seemed more like the sort of person that Miranda would really be drawn to, someone who is sort of polished and powerful seeming, but also intelligent and witty. And then she shows up for this Valentine's Day date and her new love interest lives in a small apartment. She has a cat whose litter box is out in the open. And we all like I everywhere think, New York cat owners, we all I hope know about more discreet ways of storing our cat litter. You I mean, for you example, don't keep your cat litter in the absolute center of your living space. Well, if I do, it's in a coffee table. You know what I mean? Like it's there. You might smell it, but you won't see it. You're not going to like step in it and then like go sit at the table to eat. No, I would not generally try to do that. I find that unsanitary. But it is a very realistic New York apartment. And of course, whenever someone has a realistic apartment on this show, they are not a viable love interest. They are disgusting. And they're someone who lives like a slob, like a, a, a standard size not super modernized New York apartment is always lived in by someone who is a slob in this show. And it's you can't do so that. true. This is like the opposite of the Mr. Mariska Hargaday yes. apartment. And that was a moment where Carrie stepped to the apartment. She was like, oh, maybe he is a viable dating prospect. He lives in a giant art loft in Manhattan. <laughs> uh, it reminded me of that classic Trista hometowns episode where one of the men actually brings her to his New York apartment. They would never make that mistake now. He would bring her to like his parents' suburban mansion. But she saw that he lived in a two-room apartment or something, and she was out of there. Like, you could see clouds of dust she kicked up. (laughs) Immediately got sent home. She is Miranda, in in a sense. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that doesn't work out, but it was a really fun, really fun arc. I feel like that should be more of the show. Like, Miranda's single, Carrie's single. We barely get any of these episodes. When they happen, they're all I want. It's just squandered opportunity after squandered opportunity. Charlotte, though, also has a big realization by way of a pot brownie (laughs) that she accidentally ingests and ends up in the hospital and is like, Harry, what am I doing with my life? I don't just want to be a momager and a maid to my increasingly independent children. And like, as she is starting to realize they're increasingly entitled because they're old enough to take care of a lot of things for themselves. But because she's always been there to happily do it for them to feel like she has a purpose in life, they feel angry and annoyed at the idea that they would have to take care of those basic tasks themselves. I remember when Lily was mad at Charlotte for not making 
a restaurant reservation for her. And I'm like, Lily, if you're old enough for a restaurant reservation, you're old enough to call and make it yourself. I, I just love this for Charlotte. Get back to your gallery girl roots. Go to Victor Garber slash Marcus Sabian's <laughs> gallery and take that job that yeah. you were just offered on a whim after one meeting. I know. She's had the easiest path to getting her career back after a decade and a half of maternity leave that I've ever seen. She just like snaps her fingers and someone is like, oh my God, a really prestigious job in your exact field. Here it is. You look like just the lady to sell expensive paintings to Sam Smith. (laughs) You just listened to a free preview of this week's Rich Text podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to listen to the rest of this week's podcast and our entire Rich Text back catalog, you can become a paying subscriber at clarendemma.substack.com. If not, you can still enjoy our free weekly recommendations. Rich Text is hosted, produced, and edited by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray. You can find the written version of Rich Text at clarendemma.substack.com. You can find us on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod, and you can find our other podcast, Love to See It, over at Stitcher and wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on TikTok and Twitter at Love to See It Pod. You can also find us individually at Claire E. Fallon and at Emma Lady Rose. Thanks for listening. 